Here's what's coming up on today's show. So if you have three children and maybe one of your children predeceases you, you want their share to go to their kids if they have that. And you want to make sure that box is checked as well. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome in. Glad to have you on the Retirement Reality Podcast. I'm Ben George. He's Mike Coyne, founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. And on this episode, we're going to address five, unfortunately, common beneficiary mistakes. And we want to make sure you're not making any of these because it could cost you and your loved ones dearly. You know, some of the simplest mistakes can completely spoil an otherwise well-done retirement plan. So, Mike, I know our last episode as we kicked off 2023 was kind of providing a checklist for people to, to prepare for retirement. But I think this is another good kind of beginning of the year item is going through your beneficiaries and making sure they're all in place. Absolutely. That's a big thing that's missed. People forget to update them. They forget to look at them or they don't even do them at all. And that could be a big estate issue if you don't do it. All right. If you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. You can always call 855-987-8888. You can also get your plan started uh, with Mike and his team just by dialing that. But you can also, again, Log on, principalpreservationservices.com. You'll find all of our podcasts plus other great resources and tools there, but also a way to get in touch with the team. All right, as we go through our beneficiaries, five mistakes. We don't want to spoil retirement plans, so we want you to avoid these. And let's start off with naming minors as beneficiaries. Mike, I know people might think, hey, let me just you know put my kid children on here, maybe because, because they think, well, they'll be you know adults by the time they might need this. But why can it right. be dangerous to, to name uh, your minors? Yeah, because they're not considered a legal adult till age 18. So even if you leave it to your kids or grandkids and if something happened to you and they're not 18 yet, they can't get that money or house or money or whatever that is um, until they are a legal age. So it goes you know, to the guardian. So um, legal guardian, sometimes you, don't, you purposely want to avoid the legal guardian. Mm-hmm. You know, I, just, I just got a text from a friend of mine here about couple hours ago and he asked me a question on a beneficiaries to a minor and I, I said the same thing it's usually frowned upon uh, because if they inherit as a you know a minor they can't actually get that asset until they are a full legal adult so uh, in his case he's like well my son would be the de- you know the beneficiary he's turning 18 here in a couple months I said you're probably gonna be safe most likely you know but that's it's never a guarantee so be very careful we always frown upon any of our clients leaving money to um, minors, especially we talk about grandkids. They want to bypass the kids. Our kids are doing great. They don't need the money. I want to go to my grandkids. I said, how old are your grandkids? Oh, they're just two years old to five years old. I go, probably not a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you know they're in college, fine. You know, or they're you know ready to graduate and they're going to be eighteen. Great, but you know, usually frowned upon. Uh, put somebody else on. You can always change your beneficiaries at a later time when they're of age. Good to know. All right. So the next one, you know, when you get to, do have your estate plan in place and you have your your will and your beneficiaries set up, you need to make sure you coordinate that, right? Because not coordinating these designations and your will can create some issues. Oh, exactly. Um, I even have a, a client of mine who, um, her coworker, who, nev- who was never married, no kids, um, he had a will and he also had a, a you know retirement account and he listed her as the beneficiary of her of his retirement account. So 
beneficiaries are irrevocable. That that supersedes what's in the will. Okay. The, and again, a will is is not a legal entity. It's kind of I say your legal wish list. It doesn't own anything. It just tells the judge in probate court where you want your assets to go. But if you already have designated beneficiaries in other accounts, that supersedes the will. And so I remember it was uh, she told me that his niece had reached out to her. And says you got to split that that retirement account with me. And she, you know, she had a, contacted an attorney. The attorney says no. That was directly, uh, direct, uh, direct uh, beneficiary. You were that she was a direct beneficiary of the retirement account. So she didn't have to split it with the person. Uh, and it wasn't listed. Even if it was listed in the will, it was already designated. So, um, yeah, you got to be very careful. So especially a lot of people just put general language in wills. We see a lot, a lot of the time. If you have paid on death on your your checking and savings accounts to certain beneficiaries, your IRAs, certain beneficiaries, um, your home has certain, you know, you put in the will um, for beneficiaries or you use a transfer on death deed, you know, those uh, supersede what's in the will. That's such a great reminder. I don't think everybody knows that, uh, that your beneficiaries are more important than, than your will when you have them listed. Yeah. So again, while we're talking about this and while we're making it a point to to prioritize this in the new year. And, you know, we think oftentimes too, Mike, transitioning to our next mistake here is that once your beneficiary is in place, you're kind of all set, but you still should go on and name alternative or successor beneficiaries as well, right? Yeah, we always, when we do, you know, clients are coming on board and they're bringing new accounts to, to us, right from the get-go, we set up a primary beneficiary, which usually is a spouse if they're married, or, or maybe if they're not, they go directly to the kids. And then you have contingent beneficiaries. So especially for husband and wife, if you know if you pass on, it goes to your spouse. If they're both, you're both gone, it goes to the kids or whoever else you designated to. Because we don't think about changing these a lot. You can change your beneficiaries anytime. It's not. It doesn't cost you anything. It just takes a little bit of time. But the key is. You might not thinking about after you maybe you lost a spouse, like, oh, my goodness, or you went through divorce, um, like, oh, my goodness, I, I need to change my beneficiaries or have a backup beneficiary. So uh, that's important to do and make sure sometimes you have on the beneficiaries, uh, maybe you list your three kids or two kids as the successor beneficiaries. And then what happens if when your children predecease you, which we hope never happens, but a lot of times you can you can designate on that beneficiary form that it goes down per stirpes, which is bloodlines. So if you have three children and maybe one of your children predecease you, you want their share to go to their kids if they have that. And you want to make sure that box is checked as well. Yes, yeah, it's just one of those things where planning, you just want to make sure everything's covered. I feel like that's kind of what that is, right? You, you might feel good about having beneficiaries, but again, it's just, you know, the what if scenarios and just being prepared for everything. So you exactly. want to make sure you have that successor in place. All right. Another mistake people make is naming their estate as a beneficiary. Mike, why why is this a problem? Yeah, this is a big no-no. And I've seen this a few times, not often, but I've seen this a few times. And, you know, I gained a new client by this one time because, um, I remember she came in, she had this account open by her advisor, and I looked at the beneficiary. She had this account open for, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, and she had the the uh, primary beneficiary was the estate of, and it had her estate name on there, which is just was a will, which means I said, your, your advisor sets you up for probate. He's, instead of going directly to your kids that avoids probate, he has this going through the probate. That's what, when you when you list it as going to the estate of. 
Um, it didn't say a trust name. It says to the estate of. She had just a will. And because of that, it would have to go through the probate courts, a retirement account, which should never have to go through the probate courts. So she was furious when she found this out and the lack of care and concern and, and just even, you know, if anything would have happened, she's like, oh, my gosh, this could have been a nightmare. It could have been expensive, thousands of dollars to get this money that should have gone seamless to the children would have been a big issue. So the key is you never want to have your state of as a primary beneficiary or contingent beneficiary. You want to have it go to people or go it to a trust name, which is a legal entity. Um, that's going to be a, a lot more seamless transition than try to have it go through the probate courts, which that could be several months you know could be a few months on the short end mm -hmm. maybe three to six months on the short end could be as long as 18 months to 24 months i've heard seen some of these probates go three years so the key is you want to avoid that at all cost yeah that's not a position you want to be in f or put your family in as well so yeah one more thing especially at 500 dollars an hour of attorney <laughs> fees you know right now and what's that going to be in maybe five ten fifteen twenty years and that all thousand bucks that eats into your the estate right as well what you're actually yeah, it, able to pass on Exactly. Yeah. All right. Got one more mistake here. We've got five beneficiary mistakes we're listing out. And and again, this one is it seems simple, but you need to pay attention to the small details and avoid making those errors on your application. Yeah, that's when it comes to names, addresses, phone numbers, social security numbers. You want to make sure that uh, we're, you're updating those beneficiaries. And so when you, know, when you do these re reviews with your advisor and you're updating the beneficiaries, it's good. Okay, did any of them get married? Did they get divorced? Did their name change? Did their address change? Um, you know, social security numbers. And I've had clients you know, during the application give me a social security number, and then we've done the review, and they're like, oh, by the way, I had that number wrong. It's not this, it's this. I was like, oh, well, it's good. We need to get this changed. Because, you know, the kids aren't here at the application to do the setup to beneficiaries. We always got to make sure that you're reviewing these beneficiaries to make sure that these numbers are accurate. Um, otherwise, it could be a probate. Something that could be avoiding probate could still be a probatable issue because if the, the company that you have the investments with, whether it's a TD Ameritrade or any other company, uh, Charles Schwab, uh, wants to send that money to somebody else what if it's a very general last name johnson but we don't have a social security number and the addresses don't match well it's gonna be a, a lengthy process and and that money could be delayed going to the beneficiary and it could be uh forced to go to the, the probate process if there's not information to clarify that's who it is so again pay attention to the details there and you know reason why we talk about these beneficiary mistakes we're at the beginning of a new year recording this no matter where you are it's always a good time to review these beneficiaries. And I know my people just kind of set it and forget it. It's one of those items in your your plan that you just kind of put in place and you don't you don't think about. But how often should you be checking your beneficiaries? Oh, I think every every uh, every year. Okay. Um, you know, anytime there's a change of life event, get for sure. Whether that's retirement, you get marriage, you get divorce. When you're opening up a new account, transferring accounts, it's always good to just review these beneficiaries. Um, you know, and it's. And sometimes nothing changes for a while. But as kids move and, you know, maybe your kids get divorced, there's a lot of things that could happen. Or you go through divorce or you lose a spouse, there's a lot of things that can be changed. So any kind of change of life event is important. And, again, like going back to the whole attorney thing is you don't want an attorney that you probably don't really know well or know at all or maybe probably don't like uh, be one of the biggest beneficiaries of your state. And you want to avoid 
uh, that probate process where they're going to benefit more than your kids sometimes uh, by them probating the estate. And again, that cost could be outrageous if attorney fees are $500 an hour today. I just say, let's project that out 15 to 25 years. Could easily be $750,000 or more an hour in the future. And it's timely. And they know how to work the system. Well, these are some things to think about. If you haven't gone through your beneficiaries or want somebody to review things with you, you can always log on to principalpreservationservices.com, get in touch with Mike and his team, and set up a time to meet with them. All right, a couple of mailbag questions here to get to before we close out this episode of the Retirement Reality Podcast. Uh, first one from Jacqueline. Mike says, I'm about to sell a farm that I just inherited, which will bring me quite a large sum of money. Should I use this money to pay off my house or just invest the money and use investment income to pay my mortgage for me? Yeah, good question. It all depends on when did you inherit the farm. You know, it could have been recently because when you inherit uh, that farm in real estate, you get the stepped up in value. Uh, and so that means you didn't have to pay taxes on what it's worth when you inherited it. So maybe there's a good opportunity that there's not a lot of gain. You only pay, you know, capital gains on something that, um, you know, has a, you know, appreciated from when you inherited it or bought it, right? So there might be an opportunity to, if you did sell the farm, to uh, pay hardly any taxes or none at all. And you could use that to pay off the house. The other side of the thing is if you want to use it to pay, you know, pay off the mortgage or just uh, you keep it and, you know, get farm rent and then use it for your mortgage. If you have a very low interest rate, which you very, you know, might have, if you've refinanced or bought something in the last, you know, five years before these rates are going up, you might have such a very low interest rate, you know, that you could be at a, Depends if it's a 15-year, 30 at you know 2% to 3.5% rate. Um, sometimes it's best just to keep that, and you can make better income, investment income off that farm, and just use it to pay the mortgage off instead of getting rid of that. Now, if you have a higher interest rate, that's if it's four or higher, yeah, you might want to consider that. And again, the, the big picture is, you know, is a farm a headache to you or is it not a headache? Do you want to keep this long term or not? And that's uh, the other part of it. You had to talk talk about. Is the farm close by? Is it something you want to maintain? Is it something you just, it's not in your blood at all? You want to make sure you're in retirement, you're comfortable with the retirement plan you have, whether that's traditional investments or even farm uh, real estate investment. All right. Thanks for that question, Jacqueline. Great question to be asking and, and glad you're thinking ahead of time on that inheritance because it is a huge opportunity for you. All right. Um, one more here, Mike, from Richard. He says, should I be doing anything besides 529 plans to save for my kids for college? Or is that actually the best option? Yeah, 529 plans are great if the kids are going to use it for education because if they don't, then it's not it's going to be tax coming out, right? And so that's you know the catch-22 is I've had a few people come in here, built some substantial 529 plans over the years, and their kids didn't go to college. So they take it out, they got to pay taxes on it. Um, the other part of a 529 plan is it will be used against them for financial aid. So maybe you could have been in a situation where they might have been thought about to get maybe grants or something of the sort. But reality is they don't qualify because the 529 uh, shows them that they have money is saved for school. So, um, so what we do have a lot of other clients do is like grandparents setting up for their grandkids is just open up a, a retirement account. They just keep it in their own name. And they're just building that out, and they're paying their own, the taxes on it. It's just something they're gifting uh, their grandchild sometime. They're, but they're building the account up in their name, and they're just going to gift that money to them. Remember, there's a, a gift exclusion at $16,000 a year right now. So there's ways to do it. And they said, I'll, I'll pay the taxes. I'll let this money grow. 
and, and uh, be able to gift this money to my kids when they're in the college age, um, whether it's entering college or finishing college. So, All right. Good stuff. Uh, great question as well, Richard. We appreciate that. If you have one for us, send it in, principalpreservationservices.com. Also, make sure you check out Mike's YouTube channel, Retirement Reality On Demand. And please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. We've got a new episode every couple of weeks, and we'll have plenty more to talk about uh, coming up. So please hit subscribe for us. Mike, thanks for your time, as always. And uh, thanks for helping us kind of understand the importance of beneficiaries and helping us avoid these mistakes. Yeah, thanks for uh, leading the way, Ben. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Reality Podcast from Mike Coynan over at Principal Preservation Services. I am Ben George. Take care. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.